What we're doing here is we're talking about a bunch of music today, but we can't talk about all the genres. There are too many genres of music, if you call them that. So we're going to try our best. If you have an idea of what we should talk about or an artist we should speak to, make sure to email uh, hambonerelay at gmail.com. Speaking of Hambone Relay, this podcast is by Hambone Relay. My name is Rob Tate. I'm the drummer uh, and percussionist of Hambone Relay, and I hit cymbals every now and again. And our producer is Mr. Mark Brown, who does the organ and the business dealings of Hambone Relay. Hey, guys. And what we do... Yeah, thank, thank you for using your, uh, your desk mic. That was good. Um, what we do here is we're going to talk about a lot of music. You know, when you have conversations with friends and you want to talk about music you've heard that they haven't heard of or you talk about the top 40, whether you think it stinks or if you think that there's actually quality music, but we just haven't found it yet. I personally hate people that say that sentence. You know what I mean? It's the, there's no good music anymore. Music stopped being great back in the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, whatever people, whoever you talk to. There's tons of great music, tons of it. And that's what we're going to talk to uh, John Gilbride about today. And he's my guest. We're going to talk to him. Uh, each episode of Dude, Check This Out is going to feature a different co-host. We're going to interview them. And we're going to talk about different music that they like, the last things they've listened to, the latest projects that they've put out. Which John has. Hi, Rob. Hey, buddy. It's shaking. It's so good to be here. I know. Thanks You're, for having me. The premiere episode. I know. It's exciting. How's it make you feel? Makes me feel loved and beautiful. A little horny? Horny, yes. Randy. Something's happening. Randy. Okay. Yes. Not quite horny. <laughs> Funny British Austin Powers Randy. I'm offended. Yeah. <laughs> no, but thank you both for having uh, me. Oh, man. Love me some hambo. But like I said, we're going to talk about a couple different things. But uh, first, we're going to talk to, uh, like I said, John Gilbride. Um, we'll start off here. You were born in Scranton, right? Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, yes. PA. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. And I found this quote online. Oh my God, you did. You've done research. I did. I did wow. research. I know. Usually I don't prep for things. And for a pilot episode, I'm so proud of you. I know. It'll never be like this, this ever is, again. This is going to be a juicy, amazing podcast. All right, here is, is the, the quote. Uh-oh. All right. <clears throat> is it a Michael Scott quote? Because I don't want to hear it. Oh, I wish it was. All right. But, um... If, you, if you're not familiar, the office is in, from Scranton, all right, or in Scranton. Here's mm -hmm. the quote. Yeah. When asked about starting music, you said, family is everything. Christmas is everything. I loved Christmas songs and fell in love with the piano, listening to jazz records, and hearing my aunt play songs on the piano around the holidays. Now, what I was curious about was what kind of stuff your aunt played. Wow, you, where'd you pull that? Amazing. Don't worry about it. That's awesome. Um, I'm, I've long been infatuated with Christmas and the mm -hmm. holidays. It's uh, <clears throat> a result of my mother being almost overly obsessed with the holidays. When I say obsessed, I mean decorate every inch of the outside, drive my dad insane, put on Christmas music by Michael Buble five weeks before Thanksgiving, and just really go over the top. And um, so I fell in love with Christmas music. Well, hold on. You said Michael Buble. Mm -hmm. wasn't that, that album wasn't out yet, was it? I think what I meant to say was... <laughs> 
was probably Kenny G or something along those lines. Michael Bublé, Kenny G. The same thing. Um, he, Kenny, G, Kenny G is like my Michael Bublé now. Michael Bublé is so ingrained in my Christmas psyche because it's all you ever hear. Yeah, so he now that's it, all I'm thinking about. I know, but he hates it though. You've seen that he has an interview. With well, then why, then why do it? Then well, don't no, do it. I think he did it out of no, joy, but then... No, he doesn't. You know what you're doing, Bublé. You know you have a silky smooth, velvety voice and your voice is perfect for Christmas <laughs> songs. So don't complain when it goes multi-platinum and is more successful than any of your actual records. I, think he's I just com- don't get it. <laughs> I think he's complaining because that's it, the memes and things that come out. You've seen the meme of... Um, no. It's... Uh, it's Christmas, time for Michael Buble to come out of his cave, and there's like really? a meme of him coming out. Oh, it's hilarious. And he's, mm-hmm. I think it's Graham Norton asks him about it. Go to, go to Graham Norton's oh, yeah, yeah, um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, page on YouTube, and he, they, yeah. Yeah, they ask him about it. He's just like, yep. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, think, I think you, you kind of know what you're signing up for. I don't know. Yeah, I think... It was too big for him to chill. Anyway, yeah. Kenny G. Yeah, back uh, No, the, just in general Christmas music before the holidays. And so, and there's no music in my family before me, really. Um, my no mom, one played? My mom didn't play or sing. My dad didn't play or sing. Nobody that I knew of played or sang. It was just something that um, from the time I was probably five or six at my aunt's house where she would sit down and play everything from Deck the Halls to um, I'll Have a Blue Christmas Without You and all these different things. And I think what meant the most was just what it meant for the people in the room mm-hmm. you know it's it's one thing to play christmas music and it's one thing to sit around a table and talk on the holidays but it's a whole other experience it's much more visceral and genuine when somebody is making sound with their fingers and singing with you know with, with their voice and i just loved it and i sang along and i washed your fingers and it was just something that you know you just know that like anybody knows anything like if you're a kid um on the kitchen floor with pots and pans if you want to be a drummer it's like oh okay that i like banging on things i have some rhythm hopefully um but for me it was just i I just want to do that that's all i really wanted it wasn't about you know um the instrument itself was about the feeling Um, was it like the feeling of like family yeah like the the um when when the family gets together and that's what the music kind of brings you back to that feeling yeah harmony more than anything it's like one cohesive unit around a central idea of just conveying emotion through song um, and so it was song that led me to the piano and then piano led me to theory and then lessons forever and recitals and classical theory and all that stuff. Um, so music has always been there, um, mm-hmm. always been there. So that was sort of the, my mom and dad bought me with the money they had at the time, um, just a little Yamaha, uh, keyboard that I still have in my apartment today. It's like, you know, the Wait, first, that's the same one? That's the same one. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. Not weighted keys, nothing like that. Just a. You know, not a full set of keys, just something I can start with. Because they didn't want to invest in a piano. They're on they a budget. Know. When you're younger, you don't realize how tight on money your parents might be or the struggle they're going through is the same we're going to be going through in a couple years. If we have kids, I didn't, they couldn't afford a piano. So they got me a keyboard and I made it work. And I got a year into playing the keyboard and it was just clear that I was serious and I was getting good enough to the point where they were like, okay. And then they bought my first piano. Oh. And so then you just, you just run with it. Do you still have that one? Oh, yeah. The second piano? Yeah, that's at home. That's something that's been a uh, kind of a, a, an issue for me this past year of getting it down to Philly and is it worth it because it's something that's very special to me. Mm-hmm. It's just a Cobbler and Campbell, not top of the line, not bottom, just middle of the road, a lovely piano that somehow holds a, like amazing tune. It hasn't been tuned in like seven years. Did you say, oh, it's a real piano? Okay. Oh, yeah, it's an wow. upright. It's an upright Cobbler and Campbell, yeah. For some reason, I automatically yeah. assumed it was like a weighted keys piano. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but back to your, your, your aunt. Do you yeah. say aunt or aunt? 
Um, just out of curiosity. I like to say that I say aunt because it sounds like I should, but honestly, throughout my life, I'm probably 80-20 aunt and lately okay. trying to refine my speech for some reason and going, I say aunt all the time. Mm, yes, it's very proper. Yes, of course I say aunt. Well, no, the only reason I was th- asking is because I know Scranton and Philly are very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lingo. Yeah. Or, I guess phrasing. Yeah. And I was just curious. Yeah, for sure. I- I've always been the weird one. Um, when I'm... I came to Philadelphia at a time when a lot of transplants from Scranton came to go to Temple University and Drexel and a, and a lot of places. It was um, like an infusion of Scranton people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more people I meet who know people from Scranton, which I say Scranton, and uh, everybody from there says Scranton. And I'm that <laughs> douchebag who decides to correct people on their grammar and say, no, it's Scranton. You and know? You need to enunciate. Enunciate. Scranton. We're not crazy people from northeastern Pennsylvania, which people think we're hillbillies. It's a city of like 74,000 people. It's an amazing little town with um, the most bars and churches like per capita, which is crazy. Is crazy. Well, people like to go to church and then they drink after. And then they like to sin. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Atone for their <laughs> sins. Because it's really all there is to do in city proper of Scranton. But Yeah, it's like we... Uh, but my whole family's up there. And, and all my yeah. cousins who moved out to go to college who are all older than me are all now all going back there like they all because they're to raise a family in the surrounding areas like they're raising beautiful families and their kids and everything else and it's a beautiful place to be if that's you know depending on your career choice or your you know or whatever you want to do in life in general uh mm-hmm. for me it wouldn't work yeah because there's not too many mm-hmm. uh venues to perform like uh mm-hmm. original music there right and the culture isn't right i mean there are places you can go make a buck playing in a bar but the culture and the, uh, the creative community and the size and the diversity um and the level of talent Nothing against anybody in Scranton, but the, the nature of being in a major metro, metropolitan area is, you know, the, not the competition. I, I don't like to say that, but the talent level is such that it makes you challenge everything you do. You mm. know what I mean? I feel like there's some complacency in the industry if you're just surrounding yourself with the same people, the same places all the time. Whereas if you go if you go to a place that you never thought you deserved to play in your mind, at least in mine, I have this weird low ego about things like. Uh, wow, I can never play at this place, or mm-hmm. wow, I can never <clears throat> uh, sit in or play with this band. Just go do it. And if it works, great. And if it pays off, great. And if it doesn't, you learn something, you try again. You right. know, is that sort of, I don't think you could do that in Scranton as much. Um, well, I have a question about that. That was my next mm-hmm. question. Thank you for the good lead in. Is this there are two pretty big music festivals in Scranton? Um, at Montage, at Montage, uh, Montage Mountain. Mountain yeah. That's right. They got Camp Bisco. Yes. And Peach Fest. Yeah. I don't know much about Peach Fest. Um, I know if some Philly artists have played Camp Bisco, but I don't know a whole lot about either one of those, sadly. They kind of started after I left. What I was curious about, well, well, you said you... you but Montage Mountain your... itself is amazing. I've been there many times through childhood. Okay, so you've been up to the mountain, just not during the festivals or anything It's an like incredible that. venue, and I see why they would do it. It's just mm-hmm. this beautiful... If you've ever been to <clears throat> Susquehanna Bank Center, formerly Tweeter, formerly whatever, in Camden. Too many names. We're not going to go. It's a similar sort of look as far as the physical stage, the amphitheater area, and the lawn. Only it's set in the middle, on a mountain in the middle of the woods. So the whole backdrop is just forest and pine trees. and wow. It's really gorgeous. And uh, it's the top of like a ski mountain, basically. Montage Mountain is also a ski resort um, in Scranton. It's our ski mountain. It's mm-hmm. not the biggest or best, but it's. I grew up skiing there. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's a really, really amazing venue. It's like one road that leads up to it, up and back. It's really cool. One wait, so it's just one road leading up to the mountain. As far as I know, okay. and people from Scranton can tweet Hambone Relay and tell and tell them I'm crazy. But there's pretty much one main road that goes up, and you know, yeah, it's it, cool. It's really neat. Hey, Mark, I forget. Did you ever get to go to um, to uh, Peach Fest or anything like that? 
No, I didn't make it. But I've been to Montage Mountain a bunch. And like it, you, you, you it's went awesome. to hikes and stuff? <laughs> and what's that? You, you hiked up there and stuff? Well, yeah. yeah. I saw uh, my first concert. I saw Leonard Skinner there. Oh, well, that's where actually. that venue was? Yeah, yeah. I saw Skinner and the Doobie Brothers there, man. <laughs> Pre-Michael McDonald? Oh, Michael McDonald was there. And he was <laughs> not... No. I saw, I saw David Bowie at Montage Mountain. No, I saw David Bowie for free. My 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 friend's mom. Wait, what era? Shout out to Kelly Byron. Um, my friend's name is Caitlin Byron. Hello, but she worked for the minor, Phillies minor league team at the time, <clears throat> and so they're all connected with the venue and stuff like that. Is that the Pigs? It was, it was the Red Barons. It was like the, it was the Triple A right before the Bigs. Oh, okay. Um, they've since moved, and now it's the Yankees minor league team. Yep. But um, so she just had tickets, and at the time, I was sort of like a high schooler who, frankly. Sorry, Music World wasn't totally into Bowie. I didn't really know much about it. I knew who David Bowie was, but I knew him from like, of course, the Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Tell me you've seen the Labyrinth. Bits and pieces. Okay, I've never seen it all the way through. I'm sorry, I can't. Homework. 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 <laughs> Please go home and watch the Labyrinth. You will revel in all that is Bowie. All right, ladies and gents, you have to watch the. Labyrinth. I'm not going to say any more than that, but just go go watch that. Um, it's up there with like the never-ending story for me of like two movies. When I was younger, that that are just weird and out there that I can't stop thinking about. Anyway, so I didn't, that's all I knew David Bowie from. I was like, oh, the guy from the Labyrinth? To which wow. people looked at me and shook their head. But I saw David Bowie up there, and it was amazing. Um, Do you remember what era it was or what album would have came out right before it hmm. for that tour? It's okay if you don't. I'm just I really don't. curious. It would have been, it would have been like 2000 and – I probably saw him in 2003. Four, four-ish, or three-ish, something okay. like that. Yeah, but it's amazing. Did, did yeah. he have like a whole band, like a whole lights thing? And... He did. No, it was weird. It was like sort of light out, so like the, but it didn't have that impact of like maybe if it was darker and like that whole Bowie thing. But, um, and I didn't appreciate it until later. You know, when I started listening to David Bowie and mm-hmm. how much of a genius he is and everything else, I was like, oh, I saw that guy. You know what I mean? That's nuts. It's kind of like like I saw Jerry Lewis live, and I didn't think that much about it at a farm aid here in Camden. And I didn't think about it until later. I was like, oh, I saw that guy. You know? So it was like one of those. That's amazing. Yeah. I've also seen Jewel at Montage Mountain, so there's the, kind of a broad range of people I've seen at Montage. <laughs> hey, I saw Jewel at Montage Mountain too, bro. Oh, wait, were you guys at the same show? Was it the same show when Rob Thomas was on the same bill? No. It was, oh. it was Horde Fest with Blues Traveler. Oh, much wait, better. Hold on. Wait. You saw Rob Thomas, too? I saw Rob Thomas and Jewel toured together. Not Matchbox 20. Rob Thomas toured on his like solo thing. This is like the smooth days. This yep. is right after Matchbox 20, then. Yep. It would have been like right after his first record. Yep. The, um, not smooth, because smooth happened later. What's the, re- what's the um, Diamonds Falling Down? Yeah. Would have been the same Maybe. Single? Yeah, yeah. I yep. don't know why. But it was Thanks, Rob, Mom. It was Rob Thomas and Jewel, joint, joint bill. It was great. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so nuts. Sorry to go like way back in the time machine for montage. No, but, I liked uh, it, man. But yeah. Well, here's one thing I think people don't know about you. Uh oh. And you can dive Great. into this. Um, is that you weren't planning on being a musician? Oh no. Mm. What you? You went to Temple, right? I went to Temple. And what did you go to school mm. for? <laughs> I studied um, uh, in the business school, the Fox School of Business, mm-hmm. as well as as well as the um, School of Journalism there. Did so, you like it? I liked it when I left when I left high school. Um, I was sort of a product of some convention just because of how um, my family at large and Scranton at large views the world and sort of what success looks like and what adulthood looks like. Mm. So I did well in school. I was all those things in high school that you'd imagine, you know, 
did really well, high honors, blah, blah, blah. You know, what do you do after that? You apply to school. So yeah, I went to Temple. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do, like at all. I just didn't know. I thought I wanted to be a broadcaster, like like go to journalism school and be like a broadcaster. Like a weatherman. And, yeah, like a weatherman. John Gilbride, yeah. the weatherman. Yeah, I'd be a great weather guy. I still would. I, I can always go back. But um, it was one of those things where... My, weather, my weatherman gig is the fallback. Hold on, let's it, talk about this. Oh, we can go there. You want to go there? <laughs> no. We, we could talk about my uh, lifelong dream to be a meteorologist. Yeah. Oh, my um, no, it's like one of those things when you're 17, 18, um, being a, a sportscaster sounds like one thing mm. and then realizing the road to that and what it really means and what you're really doing. It just sounds like, you know, depending on if you're really passionate about it, it just doesn't end up being that thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I entered the journalism school at first, um, enjoyed it and then decided to go towards business. I had a mentor senior year of high school when I applied to some music schools and stuff that said, are you good at anything else? Could you, could you be anything else if you didn't go to school for music? Because you've studied piano and all this other stuff. And I realized I never wanted to teach music. So I didn't want to go and get my degree in that. And my parents were heavy on the fallback plan and this and that. But So I dove into the business school. I studied marketing and finance. and um, Yeah. Uh, Temple was great. Uh, I met a lot of my lifelong friends there. Amazing community, diverse culture there, uh, much like Philadelphia. It, it represents the city more than any other school in the city. It really does. Um, well, I don't know about that. See, like they got UPenn and they got like um, Drexel too. I mean, I mean culturally. I mean the diversity of the city. I feel like it's the most diverse school. I, don't I guess know. you're right in that regard. Um, yeah. Campus is beautiful now. Yeah. Um, and it's a little more quote blue collar, you know what I mean? Kind of similar to Philly too. Like that's the kind of vibe. That's why. That's why I enjoyed. it. That's why I picked it. That's why I went there. That's amazing. Yeah. Like how many? How many kids from your high school went to um, Temple? Just out of sheer curiosity. Not many from my high school, actually. One, uh, my friend Michelle Conaboy, also a musician with the School for Music. Lovely, lovely person. Is she in Philly? Um, she's not in Philly. She's in Scranton. Just got married. She uh, teaches. Uh, high school uh, she's chorus I think middle school chorus and mm. stuff she's amazing anyway check her out Michelle Conaboy but um, a lot of people from Scranton went there from Scranton Preparatory School and Abington Heights and a lot of these other schools who I didn't know because Scranton's not big but it's big enough to where anybody from outside the city limits you didn't get to know that well but I met a bunch of them at Temple so that's amazing yeah and then after that you went to um, where'd you go after that after school after yeah. Temple I took a job before I graduated senior year <clears throat> I was offered a, a job, which at the time, when you're a broke college kid, you kind of look at a job offer at the time, like everything. Because you're so, all you're told for your whole junior, senior year is like, get your resume together, and we're going to do interview practices, and mm -hmm. the job is everything, and the job is everything. Right, get the five-figure job, get something that, that <sighs> Some, you'll, right. you'll be with for a long time, and right. like, all that pressure, right? Yep, and then you get it, and then you get the offer before you graduate, and so it's not even like a, a thing of like, is this the best thing for me? I didn't think that way then. Mm -hmm. It's all I do now. But So wait, for like six months, you were just like... You did, you did it. You yeah. got the job, yeah. and you didn't have to think about it at right, all. Right, right, right. And, and I count my blessings there. It's like anything. You, you, if you're going to be in something, do it right. And so when I was in school and studying business, you study and you do it right, and you, and you use your personality and your whatever to, to get to know people. And I met some amazing professors and advisors and mentors and blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I got offered that job and I just said yes, not really knowing what it meant, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It was in benefits consulting. <sighs> 
And I was like, well, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what benefits really look like. I'm 18. I never really, I'm 21 or two at the time. I don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you I kinda, just got them. You got these. You just got them. You just got them. And now I'm supposed to be consulting people about them. Oh, you know? man. And that was more on the communication side and the marketing and the creative side or whatever, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, so, yeah, I jumped right into a job at a company called uh, Marsha McLennan um, in Center City, Philly at 17th and Arch and threw on my slacks and my briefcase and like went to work five days a week, nine to five. For and How long were you there? I was pushing two years when I left. Wow. Just one of those things. You just get into it. Um, and I, I liked it for the first year because it's it's what it was, mm-hmm. you know. And then some. And then, uh, why'd you leave? It was a it was a combination of a lot of things. It was. Well, you started playing music hardcore during that time, right? At first, it was just an apparent. This is not for me. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a very apparent. Looking at somebody who's forty, who was my boss, who was my like mentor, who was supposed to be the guy that I should want to be. When I'm 40, if this is the career path, and I'm, he made a lot of money and he did a lot of great things, um, but it was one of these moments of looking at him and his kids were coming to visit him in the office because he didn't have, didn't have enough time with them, and it was like sort of this very, it was, it was a moment of like real genuine clarity in my life. It was like, oh, this is a perfect snapshot of what I don't want mm-hmm. is to be at a certain age, no matter how successful, uh, if you you know quantify it in dollars as you might be. I can't do that. I can't do that. I had too good of a too good of parents and upbringing to let money or something I don't like get in the way of me having the life I want. So there was that just general notion of I don't want to do this. I can't. I can't. Like, it was great for two years, but if I'm doing this for ten, I'm gonna look back and just be really, really unhappy. Like a lot of regret. Yeah, I'm probably bald and gray and much fatter than I am now. <laughs> Uh, There's a lot of stress in that. When you chase that money yeah. train sometimes you, and you're not doing what you love, you age yeah. quick. And it was never about money. I, I've never thought about money as the end-all be-all, but it was a secure job and I was able to go out on the weekends with my friends and hang out and not think about anything, which at the time was great. And um, So yeah, it was that and then it was it was being a musician, and I'm putting my hands in quotes, I don't know if you're using the video. Um, I was a musician in the sense of I can go home and play my guitar, which I picked up like senior high school. I can go home and play my guitar. I can go home and play piano, but it's just like this extra thing in my life that if I have time, I'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so I just started playing like that, and then I just got to a point of the work was suffering too. Like let's not let's not beat around the bush. If you don't like something and you actually physically fear yourself falling asleep at your desk in your cubicle, and like when you're alone in the office, when you come in on a snow day, nobody else is there, you realize you're really putting on a face for these people. When they're all around, I'm like, I'm on my crap. I'm like on my shit and I'm like focusing, I'm looking at the computer screen, kind of almost pretending to work hard. Oh, You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the, nobody was there one snow day. I came in because I live close <clears throat> and I looked around and I ended up reading a book because I couldn't take the work I was doing. It was the perks of a, I remember, I remember it. It was the perks of a wallflower, perks of being a wallflower. Oh, it's a great book. Great book. Mm-hmm. And I, I read it, I've read it twice since because it, it meant a lot. I was reading that book and it had this emotional impact on me I was like, why am I sitting here reading this book because I do my work? Not afraid to say that same day I left on a lunch break, went down to a bar in Philly, Macy's Crossing, and just had beers on lunch. And I never went back to the office that day. I went home. Oh, my God. And mailed it in. I was like, this is no way. So I went in. I'm sorry. I'm rambling on. But I went in a week later, talked to my, um, 
I forget what they call them, but it was like your direct superior is supposed to be, oh, like your buddy, Supervisor. like your corporate buddy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, to give you advice. Um, and I just told him, I was like, this isn't, I don't know what, what an exit plan looks like. But um, I need one. But yeah, it's best for me and, I'm, and, and it's best for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just worked out. It just worked out to where I was able to go. I was able to get some severance and yeah, what followed then the next month literally the next month after that and two months changed everything really well hold on so my favorite story uh i was just going to go into that so i stopped I, there. i for, want you to tell me the story i want it i want it so real i stopped bad. there for now i want the story so there's um a song used to play a lot that's one of my favorites that you didn't record oh i know where you're going um it's called a woman with the rose ah and yeah. i remember that you were telling me the story yeah of um I will not be able to recreate it. How about you tell us the story? Woman with the Rose. Um, <clears throat> so that's a song. Let's see. I wrote it about, I drove into work one day, and this was in that sort of two-month period of my superior knew my job that I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. I was feeling lost. I was feeling confused about what life was going to bring, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I was walking down the street, and I saw this woman, um, probably looking back, probably in her late, like in her 60s, late 60s, mm. um, white hair, uh, beautiful, long, white, grayish hair down to her, down to her hips, wearing a sundress, um, flip-flops, and just looked free as can be, smiling, and she was humming. Like, I love that, especially in Philadelphia, I don't get that a lot. People just literally not thinking about what's around them, just being so present and so happy in whatever is going on in her life, she was humming, holding a, a flower, or literally a rose. So my mind just went to, man, like, what's going on in your day right now, in your life right now, where you are just that happy, and you're 60, let's call her 65 years old, and you're just the happiest person I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I didn't even talk to her. She would just went, walk past me in like a, probably a 10-second span from when she was in front of me to when I turned my shoulder to see her. And I wrote a song called Woman with the Rose about what I thought might be going on in her life and what I thought is, like, what is making her that happy and what really mean, what, what means the most to her. And what I found through writing the song is I wasn't writing about what, she, what I thought she was going through. It was, it was almost writing what I wanted, mm-hmm. you know? So it went from writing about this person of what I think she's, but in reality, psychologically, I think I was just purging and I think I was getting on paper. If I'm 65, what am I going to go home to that will put me in that state of mind? I was like... That's beautiful. You were reflecting. like I was like, boom. I was like, man. I was like, that's what I want. That's what I want. I don't yeah. care where I am or where I'm living and what I'm doing. If I can look like that and be in that kind of a mood on a Tuesday mm-hmm. at like 9.30 in the morning, I'm good. You, in, a, in a sense, you've not made it, but like emotionally yeah. and spiritually. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, I mean, there's more to do and there's more of life to more to accomplish, but I'm there, you know? Oh, man. You know? So that's good. That's good to come full circle at this point. That is one of the most beautiful songs that I think you've ever written. Oh, and thank it's great you. because at the time when I heard it, I was reflect, reflecting on my life. And uh, I mean, at that time, I had just met you. Yeah. Um, in fact, this is a story I was planning on telling, is the first time I met you was um, I was hanging out with Ryan Weidman, yeah. who, was, who was the lead singer of Sonder. He's yeah, still Sonder. around somewhere. That band's not together anymore. S-O-N-N-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. Sonder, yeah. Yeah, they got some great tunes, great band. They, they didn't work out, um, so I think they've all kind of split and they're doing their own yeah, thing. they're great. But I was hanging out with Ryan, just by chance, randomly. Yeah. And... Uh, 
he said, my buddy John's hosting an open mic at Lickety. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. So he went to Lickety Split, completely dead. I always forget it was at Lickety, not. Okay, go ahead. Go. It was completely dead. Sorry. So it was you were hosting. Nobody was there. Me and Ryan Wyman both played tunes. Um, and I had just started writing tunes myself, like singer-songwriter stuff. I had been a drummer for a long time, but I was kind of trying something else. And that's the night I met you, and we uh, bonded over John Mayer. Ah, I'm yes. not ashamed to say. I remember that. We were talking about... Don't him. be. You want to go... I could talk for well, an no. hour on just John Mayer we're not and gonna, why he's awesome. Go yeah, ahead. this is when people turn off the, the podcast. Like, oh, we're oh, talking about John Mayer. Oh, we're like, dive yeah, into... here we go. <laughs> it wouldn't be what you think. Go no, ahead. I love him, man. Like, the Continuum album was just like everything. That whole band was great. But um, but I remember we bonded over that. And then we, we re-met again, because I think we got drunk that night. And then we re-met... Probably. At McGillan's... Mm-hmm. Tom yep. knows, like, you have to, I have to introduce you to my friend John. And I was like, who? And I was wasted that night for sure. And Tom I, the host? Tom Minari the host, I should have said. Yeah, great guy. Um, who introduced us again. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, hey. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then after that, we were just talking. And then I remember yeah. you found out I was a drummer. Yes. And then that, I think it was like a month or a couple weeks later, we did our first Vesper show. God, did it all, hap- did it all um, happen that fast? Yeah, it was very fast. Because I met you, I think, in like the September of that year. It's so crazy. And then that December, that. Uh, New Year's Eve, we played a duo set at Vesper. And then we played every weekend at Vesper for like a year and a half. Yeah. And that's when we were wow. doing duo stuff. Because in my mind, it's crazy how the mind puts together time after, mm-hmm. after a lot of time has passed. In right. my mind, it was like... We met and we hung out at McGillan's like every Thursday, like for like a year or two. It, it feels like a long time, but it really and wasn't. Then, and then Vesper happened, whatever. But yeah, yeah, I feel like we got really close after that. Like, I feel like after McGillan's and just essentially drinking together every week and maybe playing songs, it turned into like sharing a stage together, never rehearsing and just figuring it out. And there's something to be said about that. Like I vibe with you just as a um, human to human friendship level. And I mm-hmm. would, I think, even without music, but there was something about getting it together and kind of working it out on stage in front of a full room of people who are expecting to be entertained. Entertained, yeah. if that's what you call it. <clears throat> so, yeah. Hey, John. We were gladiators, bro. Fuck you, John. Yeah. I love you, buddy. Yeah. Um, but we did that. Am I, can I not get grandiose? No, you can get grandiose. Okay. Go fuck yourself. Fair enough. Um, that's my uh, tagline. Yeah. But go ahead. So. Now, when... Did your producer Chris Zerzullo oh boy. come in the picture? Um, so, so yeah. Anyway, the, the, so the month after I I left my job turned into this month of collecting unemployment and drunkenly stumbling stumbling into that open mic where I met you. I just want to mm-hmm. tell that real quick. We were we were. I stumbled in there with my friend Marin, who also sang at the time and still still does. But um, I forgot that she was with you. I went out, I went off for a birthday for a birth for my friend Christina's birthday, who, Christina Seco. Um, and we just like looked up like where's karaoke, or where's this? We're drunk and we want to go do something as mm-hmm. you do. And we were at Alves, that Mexican place uh, near McGillan's. Oh, so good. And uh, eating churros and having a good time. Uh, Spending my unemployment dollars on tequila and churros. Because <laughs> that's what you do. This podcast that, sponsored you, by... You don't save money, everybody. <laughs> the government. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah, I paid into it. Anyway, uh, stumbled in there and just saw Tom, signed up, and we played like two covers of whatever. And, yeah. and from there, that spiraled. Uh, but you ask about Chris Erzolo. Um, 
in three months after I left that job, and I got so heavy into playing music and getting up guts to go try and play my music that I wrote in my kitchen in front of people, I started working at a restaurant in Maniunk, mm-hmm. where I met my now girlfriend, who you know, Casey DeGuardia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a few months into us hanging out, I went over her house, in, in effect, her stepfather's house, Chris. Um, and she invited me in. I had a drink. I, w- I opened the door to use, I think, the restroom. It was in this back room. And past the restroom, I saw this, like, studio, music studio. I saw the sound fitting all over the place. I saw um, the dual monitors and all the speakers and all the cables and everything else. But at the like, time, you knew what it was, right? At the time, I looked at it, and I saw the mixing board, and I was like, I was like, hey, now. You know what I mean? And at that time, I hadn't spent much time in a studio. I hadn't spent much time really thinking about recording any music. But mm-hmm. it, it was just like, whoa, okay. And so I met him a few times here and there over the next year or two. Ended up going on vacation with Casey and playing music for these people who I met in a place called Ocracoke, North Carolina, um, which has special meaning. We'll get there later. What's we'll up? Um playing a bunch of songs and Chris isn't the kind of guy who just because you happen to know somebody's family this or that would just go hey let's record some music although that would happen that's what he does for a living so this is stuff that he really really tries to do stuff that matters to him and whatever so he said hey man let's do something something at the time meant, meant like recording an acoustic EP or whatever um, I don't want to ramble that's when I met him that's how he came in my life and then what that turned into was oh these songs these songs are good and, and, and let's just do it. And to him, what let's just do it meant is forget about thinking about money, forget about thinking about logistics. Just let's get people in here who we trust and love who can record this music and let's just do it. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been a great, he's the record that I'm working on currently wouldn't be anything without him. He's been a mentor. He's been a friend. He's been family. He's been, he's been a lot to me. He's been a lot to me besides just being, you know, my girlfriend's, essentially dad um he's everything he's a talented dude he's old school he played music for years i can go on for another two hours about him he's yeah he's, he's an amazing dude special guy mm-hmm. special guy yeah for sure well um <clears throat> i remember sorry no I'm, you're good i'm a bit sick it's all right we'll get through I, it i got my apple cider buddy it's all right i'm out of coffee um so what I remember when I went in the first time, when you invited me to go do the, the tracking, yeah. Chris thought it was like, oh, this is just like an acoustic guitar demo thing with some drums. And I remember the first song we did, I'm pretty sure it's Goodbyes in July it, we did first. It is, yeah, it is. Because I, I knew that in my head, I thought it was going to be a band record, like at least a light one. Yeah. And then Chris thought it was like, ah, it's probably just going to play like a beat, whatever. And if you know, actually, is that song out yet? Technically? That one is coming out soon okay we'll talk about that yeah but this is one song called goodbyes in july is a big opening when we do it live it's yeah. Like, da, da, da. yeah and i remember i did that and chris stopped after the first take i was like wait you could say it this is it no what, he what said he what say? the fuck was that that's oh. what he said <laughs> no, i don't remember yeah that. he's like what the fuck was that i don't remember that we heard he heard me play that uh, on a night we were in a, a dimly lit room with like 15 people and it was intimate with the acoustic guitar and me in the room and playing it. And that, that song is a, it's a heavy song. Mm-hmm. The, the content, the actual lyrics of it are heavy and, it, and it's about a lot of dark times or whatever. But yeah, when we play it live, it's, it's big for impact. But when I play it acoustic, you would never think that you were going to come come there and do that. <laughs> what the fuck is 
I think that moment might have changed the. That moment might have like changed, flipped perspective totally for him and changed the direction of the record for good because it was like, oh, well, he thought it was just like an acoustic uh-huh. whatever, and then um, I, I guess I, I hit hard, as many people know. Uh huh. I'm looking at Mark Brown. Um, True. And, and loud. Uh, so that definitely changed some things, and then slowly but surely, we did all the well half the drum tracks in like a three month period that's 2015 and then over the next like you know three years yeah it's 2018 now right yeah so yeah three years you've been recording these tracks yeah it's weird when you when you say it like that because it's been three years well since the very beginning but there were definitely breaks in there oh there were breaks for so many reasons and i don't have to go into all the reasons but um yeah, man. Turns out making records is a lot harder than you think if you want to do it. <laughs> if you want to do it the right way the first time, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've learned a lot now, and my approach now is much more conducive to just getting stuff done. But then it was just, you know, it's been a special approach to this record. It's really just two guys, the artist, and the as it were, he's not only the engineer, but he's a producer and the mixer and. Thank God we're having somebody else master it who'd be mastering it too. And on top of that, he's playing piano. Plus he's plus he's playing some piano. He's playing some organ. He's playing some percussion and stuff. It's just that's right. Chris has above everything else. He has literally, and I I don't mean to say this for any other reason other than it's true. He's literally eaten, slept, and breathed this music. Like he has his ear pods on at night listening to one of my songs of like, how can I make this better? Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, that's dedication. That, that's real care for the music. And so, yeah. you know, we didn't want to rush things and, and money gets in the way in time because we both do music essentially for a living. So to do this creative project, we both have to find the time. Me and him just can't spend a week in the studio and say, let's do all this stuff. No, it's like once a week, get together. Yeah, so, and I don't regret the process. I'm definitely excited for it all to be done, and we're so close, but... um, (laughs) Why is that? But yeah. yeah. Isn't this the greatest? It is. It is. It's it's a dream. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've been working on these tunes for three years. I'd be like, this is great. Yeah, I just want to write and sing songs. That's all I want to do. Let's keep creating. Yeah, you know? but speaking of which, the album—well, the first half of the album—is yeah. out. Yeah, it's called Pave Roads: The First Steps. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And where can they find that now? Um, everywhere music is quote sold. Uh, I, I've really been put telling people that it's streaming for free because I don't want people to buy this first half. I, I really don't, and I, and I mean that. Um, I really don't want people's money for this first half of the record. I, I had. I don't a know re- if you want to put that on the podcast. I had a release show. Well, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I just wanted to put music in people's ears after all this time, and I had, an, and I, I had this release show at Milk Boy in Philadelphia, and everybody who's ever supported me and all my friends showed up, and it was a great time. I wanted to let people hear, you know, um, the result of this work we put in, um, and the result of, you know, that the Indiegogo campaign that helped me finish the record, like people contributed to that. And so I want to let people know that their support went somewhere. Um, so yeah, it's called Pave Roads, The First Steps. It is the first half of the record, essentially. It's five, uh, there's five songs that I think can give people a real idea of the scope of the record. Um, you know, Pave Roads, one song on it is vastly different from Poison, another song on it. There almost sounds like two different vibes completely, but it gives people an idea of but what it the, flows. What the record looks like as a, as a full work, yeah. Right, but yeah. it flows. Yeah. Like, and um, actually... So yeah, you can stream it on Spotify and find it everywhere. Yeah. YouTube and I was and surprised you didn't put that. it on like Bandcamp or anything. Yeah, I'm... Uh, Are you waiting for the full record? No, you'll learn that I might 
the thing in a podcast to say would be like, yeah, I'm waiting for the full record. But the honest answer is I'm not good at it. I'm not good at that stuff. Yes. Okay. I was you just know? curious. No, no. I, I, I like talking about it because I'm just not. I'm just not good at the that half of it. It's like, where should this stuff be? And how should I put it out? And mm-hmm. who should I be writing to? And what, what, how should I make this release stuff work? I, I just don't know. You know what I mean? I didn't have a big a band camp account until like, I don't know, when I woke up this morning, basically. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, no, you put so, the Paved Roads uh, single out on there. On SoundCloud, yeah. That was right when you did the... Um, the uh, the Indiegogo videos with Skylar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skylar Jenkins, who's a great videographer yeah. in Philly. He does um, some great videos. He did your Indiegogo campaign, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. He did the video for it. He did a really great job. He did, I think. Yeah. And then he's doing your cover, if I'm not mistaken. He's doing... He, I mean, he does all the all my photography. He um, He's involved in some video projects I have coming up. He does any photography, any artwork that I do. He's, uh, he's pretty directly involved. He's been a great... But speaking of him... Great friend and great asset, yeah. Yeah. He did a, uh, a recent project where he went on the road with, yeah. was it five other artists? It was him. It was supposed to be five other. It was supposed to be him and five other musicians. Um, one musician couldn't come, so it ended up being um, him, Skylar, mm-hmm. and four, uh, four Philly artists, musicians. Um, so it was, it was, it me, was you. Yeah. It was um, Rachel Andy. Rachel Andy of right. Rachel Andy and the V Element, yeah. Right. And then it was um, Brendan Johnson of Stella Ruse. Stella Ruse, yeah. And then Pete Hill. I don't know Pete him. Pete Hill. I didn't know him either until this. He was the one. I had met Rachel and knew of Rachel and um, heard her music and met her a few times. Brendan, I've been able to play with him, do duet sets with him, play my band with his band, those type shows. But Pete Hill, I never met. And I um, honestly not really heard a lot of his music. Um, and we were able to kind of bond over that. Like, <clears throat> hey, this is the first time you're hearing my music, first time you're hearing yours. Uh, he's great. He's, he's really fantastic. He has this very uh, modern Neil Young type vibe. It's really amazing. Like His song structures are that way. His voice kind of comes across uh, that way. He's a really... Um, Really amazing songwriter. I, I, I learned a lot from him in the time I've I've known him, which is only about a month now. Yeah, but yeah. you guys went out for a week down yeah. to Asheville, if I'm not mistaken. We right? went to Asheville, so the name of the project was um, uh, the Escape Artists, um, is what Skylar is now um, calling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be a docu series um, of basically creative people in an RV um, going to whatever destination and seeing what happens along the way there was no expectations there wasn't a structure there wasn't a schedule it was we know we're going to end up and we know we're turning around there and come back to philly and and that was it and then what happened from there was sort of um just not planned and organic and beautiful right those videos that you guys have posted they've posted a few videos by the time this podcast out there's probably going to be one or two more yeah but there's a video of them singing your song Mm -hmm. these waters yeah which we're going to talk to but it's beautiful there's just i think it's just acoustic guitar you singing the lead vocal and you're on like a beach and everyone's singing background vocals right yeah rachel plays like a little guitar over it and again we didn't rehearse anything we're just like hey here's the chorus and go Mm-hmm. Go. Um, so it's kind of cool to see in that video, early in the song, they're not really, they're kind of like very in the background, but then by the end of it, you know, the harmonies come in because they get it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> it, it was uh, it was really neat. Yeah, that was at Crater Lake in Virginia. How many takes did, was that? Oh, one take. All of them were. It was all one take? That wasn't, you didn't do multiple takes? No, 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 no. Nothing, nothing about that trip was rehearsed, literally. It was just like, oh, shoot this, and if we get it, we get it. And I'm, I'm been amazed at... Uh, wow. the, the stuff I've seen so far. That's yeah. amazing. For people at home, that's like pretty unheard of. Um, no rehearsing. Yeah. No uh, just hashing <laughs> things out arrangement-wise, just doing it. That's really unheard of. 
But um, well, the other thing that's amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry, you go ahead. Oh no, um, uh, I was going to say there's something beautiful about that. I mean, I <clears throat> it's something I I've let go of is is perfection or uh, structure. You know, obsessing over structure. Just just do things and just open up and just be creative. And I think you end up being happier and I think you get better results. Yeah. But, um, and then there's a few more videos. There's, um, Rachel Andy's song came out, right? And I think Pete, Pete Hill's song came out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Rachel's song, Horizon, I don't believe is out yet. Um, she, she has a record that's, uh, being released, I think, uh, beginning of December, like the first, and she has a release show on the 28th. And but Oh, wait, Pete, the album's being released on the first? I, before the show, and she mentioned early in December, I don't want to put a date out there for people to hear, but early in December, so look out for that. Okay. And then Pete Hill's, uh, song, Fool's Gold, Fool's Gold, I've literally been singing that song every day since I've sang it with Is him. Is it on Spotify? You can find Pete Hill on Spotify. You can find that song. Yeah, you can find it all. Well, the reason why I ask is, well, I'm, for this podcast, what I meant to tell people earlier is that every song that we mention in the podcast yeah. will be on a playlist. Cool. On the Hambone, Hambone Relay playlist. It'll be attached mm. to whatever right. the show is, and then I'll have all the songs we've talked about if it's on there. Perfect. And then you can just, as we're going along, you want to pause and listen to whatever song we're talking about. So Pete Hill's song will be on the Spotify. Yeah. Go to Hambone Relay's face, uh, not Facebook. We're talking about all the social medias today. Spotify page, and we'll have everything listed there for you. Just go to the uh, the show listed, John Gilbride. Cool. Check this out featuring John Gilbride. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and that'll be there. But back to your tune. Yeah. It's one of my new favorite songs. It's called These Waters. Right? Yeah. And I loved it. The first time I heard it, it had a different title in my head, right? But I love this song. So when after we'd done our first batch of songs in 2015, I was kind of on a hiatus doing the drum parts, and then after maybe two years, you, me, and uh, our friend Coop got together and started rehearsing your new stuff yeah. and hashing it out. And before we knew it, within two or three months, we had four more new tunes. Yeah, ready to go. Right, four. Yeah, the great Eric Cooper. Great Eric Cooper. Go say hi, hey Eric. Um, but then we hashed out this song, and it's beautiful. I was wondering if we could do like a lyric dive. Maybe we can kind of talk about like what what kind of sure. goes into like writing a song like this because it's so emotional. There's so much here that when you're just listening to it, you don't think about it. But yeah, sure, um, yeah, that's no problem. The first line is like, "Baby, come back to me." My mother came into my deepest sleep. Is that true? Like something happened yeah. uh, in your relationship, and then mm. you had a dream. Mm. Yeah, your mom came back and like said yeah. something. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's. Um uh, all these songs, and, and the reason it, the reason I, I I have so much angst about these songs, and and I want I want them to be right. It's like they're all they're all just true. Like it's basically a diary. I mean, there's nothing in this. There's nothing really metaphor. There's there's metaphor in my songs, sure, but if you just read the lyrics, I mean, it's pretty much all real real stuff. And uh, that one specifically, yeah, I, I was going through a hard time personally. I was dealing with some battling some things that I never really had to battle with growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, depression for one, not. No, no shame in saying that. We all go through it. No, nope, I've gone depression, through it. Depression, uh, um, a little bit of stuff with alcohol and my vices and, and, and decisions I was making that were just, uh, they weren't healthy. And I was going through some relationship problems. I was just, I was just not myself, essentially. Mm-hmm. But you say it perfectly in the first four lines. It's just like your mom came back to you in this dream, yeah. said you've been in a bad way these days, lost in the middle of who I was and who I'm meant to be. There's yeah. so much there in just yeah. that little... I wrote that. I wrote that in in Ocracoke, um, uh, summer before uh, a year ago, a year past from this summer. 
Mm-hmm. So summer 2017 was I just wrote that verse line. That's all I had was that was mm-hmm. the the melody in that verse line, and, and it was just true. It was, <clears throat> it was my mom came back to me, but more like my mom came back to me, but like my upbringing came back of like this isn't how I was raised. I, I can I can get through this stuff, and I'm a better person than how I've been acting. And um, it's about kind of revisiting your past and your upbringing to sort of get through something you're going through now. So mm-hmm. I was able to say, this is uh, something you're going through, but there's no reason you can't go back to who you're meant to be and beat who you are right, right. now. Yeah. And they can, she, she continues in your dream, the second verse, yeah. the drinking too much, don't see your dad enough. Yeah. And it's great when you get to that course, and then you're like, then you're dreaming forward mm-hmm. and you're thinking about where do I need to be? Yeah. What, would I, what do I want to? Yeah. Where do I see myself? Mm-hmm. And not begging, but... The first lines, let me back in your waters, babe, mm-hmm. which is just like, let me back into your life and we can hash this out, right? Like, is that kind of like... Essentially, yeah. Um, so the, the, these waters part of it, <clears throat> it means it means everything metaphorically, obviously. Like, let me back in your waters. Let me back into your world. Let me swim mm-hmm. in your waters. Let, let, let's let's really dive back in. Let's, let's, let's connect again and, and figure out what's going on in my life that I can do better. And, and is this what we want? And like let's just grow and, and get back to how we started. Um, and waters is also like, you know, I, I mentioned Ocracoke a few times and, and being in, in that special place, which means a lot to me and um, all the people closest to me in my life. And it was just a matter of just let's just not start over. I feel like that's a little cliche, but just like, a, let's be real about what I'm going through mm-hmm. and just let me back in and let's, let's, let's work it out essentially. And um, how can, how can I heal things um, if I can just get back to being myself again, you know? I also had a, a question was that this whole conversation, this whole song is a conversation with your uh, partner in, in a sense. Yeah. You're talking to her about your, 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 yeah, your dream and then like let me back in. And then at the, the third verse, you kind of, you're talking to yourself and to her at the same time. Mm-hmm. At least it seems to me. Mm-hmm. Third, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the took a drive to my hometown, cut oh, the yeah. grass, and walked around. Mm-hmm. You kind of dream going back to it mm-hmm. and seeing yourself back at home. Like, what was I like before all these problems? Yeah, and I think that's great. Yeah, and again, that's one of those things that um, it worked out. <clears throat> I took taking a drive to my hometown is I did that in my head, but I also at that time I was doing it for real. I was going home to see my dad a lot of weekends, and so that helped. It helped mm-hmm. to just reconnect with my family. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on with my family at the time, so I was going home a lot. That's right. But um, it really helped. It was just like, oh yeah, this is where I come from. Like this, this, this is how I was, you know, born and raised. You know, and uh, the stuff about the next line is like, I asked my neighbor, "What can you remember about me being how I was when I was 16?" And it was just, you know, essentially what a memory of me at 16 looked like. It was my mom was alive and holding hands and she's singing, I think it's Here Comes the Sun in my song and whatever. It's just all these visceral, real memories that bring you back to how good things could be and, you know. Yeah, and I think people connect with that. When, yeah. when you say like a genuine lyric, people can almost tell it's genuine. Yeah. Over a recording. Yeah. And that might be a little too hoity-toity spiritual but I, no. I i definitely feel it like when you when somebody sings something that definitely happened i can tell somebody can tell the difference yeah yeah and and, and songs can mean i mean you can interpret right i like when i like when you can listen or read lyrics to a song and feel something and it could be totally different from 
what the artist might have been doing or feeling. Like, mm-hmm. Totally different. But as long as you feel something. As long as you tell the story with genuine feeling. Yeah. And usually that's from experience. Yeah. I find that you definitely. Yeah. Te- like, a feel emotion um, mm-hmm. towards that. And then the, the bridge is just like, we got so much left to do. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's great. It's almost like it could be its own chorus. Yeah. To be 100% honest. Yeah. Um, if you want to check that song out, it's on his Spotify, John Gilbride's Spotify. It's also on the list I mentioned before. Um, it's a great tune. I really, I truly love it. Um, and if you listen to it, the, 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 the title I thought it was going to be was Asheville, Nashville, just because it's, it's like the, my favorite part of yeah. the... Um, so, yeah, the lyric is Asheville, Nashville, Westward Bound. And, yeah. and that's, a, that's a real text that I sent. That's from an actual text. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so like driving wild across Chesapeake Bay has meant everything to me for the past five summers. Uh, and, the, and the text Asheville, Nashville, Westward Bound was just something I sent... Um, trying to convey like there's a lot more for us to see and a lot more for us to do and a lot of progress left to be made and a lot of happiness yet to be found, you know? Um, and it just was represented in this little text about literally going places. So the chorus, yeah. You listen to that chorus, it's, you, would, you would imagine the song was about Asheville or Nashville and it really has nothing to do with either city at all, really. I mean, um, it's just a great rhyme and yeah. I mean, now that you've actually been to Asheville. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> it's helpful. This takes us to our next segment. Dun, dun, dun. You have segments? Yeah, I do. I got these segments, man. It's called The Music News. Insert music, whatever we come up with right here. You're unbelievable, man. It's a powered you. episode, and you have it rocking. Thank you, bro. It's amazing. Hopefully, the next one's just as good. Thank all right, you. so here's the music news. And better get a really good guess. All right, so, well, you are my one of my favorites. <laughs> Let's start with the downer and then work our way up. Uh-oh. All right, you remember Mac Miller? Yes. Yeah, well, he passed away not too long ago, and they never, um, they didn't talk about how he died. They just said he was found in his apartment. Um, right. They announced a couple weeks ago um, that he passed away hmm. um, accidentally, or at least that's what this uh, article is saying. It says that- drug um, overdose, right? What's, yeah, via NPR, it says it was um, an accidental o- overdose uh, involving opioid fentanyl. Or fentanyl. Fentanyl, yeah. Uh, that list also includes Prince Tom Petty, yep. uh, Little Peep, and former Wilco member Jay Benet, or Bennett. Yeah. I don't know too much about Wilco. Do you? I love Wilco. Oh, do you, how do you say his name? I don't know his... I, I, wait. Jay Bennett or Benet? I think it's Bennett. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I can talk about Wilco. Another well, time. anyway, Mac Miller, Continue. born uh, January 19th, 1992. Wow. One day after me, two years, two years and one day after me. Pretty unbelievable. Um, was found unresponsive in, in his home located in the 11600 block of Studio City. Um, duh, 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 duh. Authorities recalled McCormick was pronounced dead at the scene at 1151 a.m. It was later determined McCormick died from mixed drug toxicity, which was a mix of uh, fentanyl, cocaine, and ethanol. Yeah. And um, it's kind of serious. It's this... Uh, this Drug epidemic, especially in the music business, I find well, mm. all entertainment, it's, everything. It's hard to talk about, but when you're in this business yeah. and it's there, everything, kind of um, your ego is so attached to things. Sometimes you reach out uh, for anything mm. that'll give you comfort. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my experience is so micro compared to Mac Miller. Wow, 
I know. I'm not going to say the pun of the century and call it macro Miller. Oh, no. Right? See? We're going to edit that what out. A dick. <laughs> it's, it's just things happen organically sometimes. Um, but I'm saying, like, my experience is so micro compared to his macro and, like, the Heath Ledgers of the world and even, you know, uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and all, all these people that die of, oh, of, right. of, of these kind of things. And it's just like... Was he yeah. heroin? So, um, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of school. But, okay. but what I'm trying to... What my, the point is... Uh, we were talking about my song earlier and some vices that I overcame in alcohol. A lot of that was born of being in environments where you're the entertainment, you're playing music, you're out at the, the clubs, you're you're out, you're there from, you know, eight o'clock to set up till three in the morning sometimes, and it's just this world of revolving around substance mm-hmm. and. Um, like the party atmosphere. Well, party atmosphere, yeah, and stimulants. Mm. You, know, you know what I mean. That's um, a good way to put it. I, I don't know about you. I've I've uh, partaken in a certain amount of these things, but I've also just been offered and turned down certain things. But in a world, in a level of fame and money and success that these people achieve, it's just no wonder. And, and when you're when you're young and you hear about these things, like the Twenty Seven Club and all these people dying, it's not until you like turn 27, which I did three years ago, that you go, oh, like I, I still feel like a, a kid in a lot of ways. And Can you imagine? You're just a kid going through this. Amy Winehouse, terrible. Like set up by her surroundings and her partner and her father for failure, for death, essentially. You've in seen my, the documentary? In my opinion. I've seen the documentary and I've read a lot about it. I love Amy Winehouse, you mm-hmm. know, as, as a talent, as a person. I thought she was special. But she just wasn't set up for success. And I think that's a big part of this is there's a stigma around a lot of these drugs and there's a stigma around a lot of these mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It's something I'm passionate about because I've known too many people in my life who, if, if addressed earlier, would not have a lot of these problems. It's just like there's such a stigma, whereas when people reach out for help, in Amy Winehouse's case, it was like, oh, you're fine. Like that kind of mentality. You know, where, yeah. where, you know, even if it's not therapy, it's just somebody or somebody who says, I get it. Let me help you. You know, you need a, a, a confidant in, I'm not in AA, but like a, a sponsor or someone to talk to about these sort of things. And I've done therapy. I just did a long, long post on one of my socials about how I um, uh, was very depressed and I went and I was definitely over drinking and it was a problem. And I couldn't admit it to myself. Right. Because, like, there's just free booze <laughs> everywhere. Right. I wasn't partaking in the hard drugs and, like, fentanyl or any other stu- no, stuff. No. But, but it becomes a problem mm. when, when you be- get depressed in this industry because everything's available. Yeah. Um, I played a show not too long ago, and I was just offered straight up. They didn't even know that I was in the band. They were just offering me coke and blow and heroin seriously this was uh down south somewhere i never told anybody but it was crazy it's just that's just the atmosphere sometimes in these venues and this this atmosphere um it's hard because you do because we're a little older than mac miller i'm, I'm two years old yeah, yeah. You're, you're um and three we, four yeah years older yeah and, and what do you do like it's not you know when it happens to celebrities it, it's sad but true that you just kind of go oh yeah okay it shouldn't be that way. It should be, why? Like, like this happens every day to mil- like thousands of people every day around this country are affected by something like this. Obviously, when it happens to the bigger names, we kind of run to the internet to find out more and do our research. But, I mean, this is happening to brothers and sons and 
daughters and you know <sighs> people it, in our community. It's really hard. People in our community, and and a lot of them you just you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't even know it because they're just they're just masking pain that they feel, but they don't. There, want there just needs to be world. resources. There needs to be as many resources for people who need mental health treatment for a lot of reasons as there are for people you know going through alcohol addiction and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Speaking um, of which, if you're listening to this podcast and you really want to get help. There are a lot of numbers. Yeah. I'll maybe post uh, on the YouTube link if you post the video. Sure. Um, reach out. There are cheap therapy options. Yeah. I went to this place. I will give them a shout out because they helped me so much. Um, Council for Relationships. They're in Philly. They're amazing. Um, basically, the reason why it's cheap is the students getting their hours uh, before they become official. But I loved it. The, the, the young woman that helped me through some things was amazing and uh, I didn't have to do any drugs or anything just talking it out really helps and people like Mac Miller probably need something like that with the whole Ariana Grande thing and yeah everything else Uh, battles with depression and the music industry it's bananas you should live long yeah like long healthy lives like uh, this next person we're gonna talk about yeah it's something it's important to me um I mean, it's obviously it's important to me. Um, yeah, you want to live. To me, yeah, the music industry doesn't have to mean that you're partying all the time. It doesn't. All right. I, what I want to do is just, I'm going to write songs and share them. Yeah. You know, it's really all I want to do. But yeah, I, I, I've, I've long talked about <clears throat> mental health and the implications it has on, on, on family and friends and, and everything else because it just, there's just way too much of a stigma around it. And I've, ha- I've seen too many friends and too many people deal with issues by themselves when if they just had a little bit of help could have you know had a better end result as it were you know without going into which brings me to this uh, next topic which is Aretha Franklin oh we're not going to talk about how she died or how, uh, how old she was but she did pass away but recently there's been a development Tell me. Back in the light of day, or not, excuse me, there was a story documentary that people never thought they would see. It was a a, a documentary called Amazing Grace, which is all about Aretha Franklin. It was directed by Sidney Pollack and completed by Alan Elliott. The film has been uh, talked about since it was filmed in a Watts, California church in 1972 during recording sessions for a live album of the same name. Now, 46 years after it was shot, the Amazing Grace movie was finally shown in public for the first time recently with initial screenings in New York City, more on the more uh, nationwide. And uh, it talks about the document of uh, iconic musician skills. The film is essential, but Amazing Grace is far more than that. Watching is a transcendent, spine-tingling, uplifting, utterly joyous experience. I need to check this film out. It sounds awesome. Oh, so you haven't seen it? I haven't seen it yet. I just okay. wanted to talk about well, it. Well, then I don't it, feel uh, weird saying like you didn't it. see it. Yeah. But what I was going to ask was, did you know a lot of Aretha Franklin's music at all? It's so it's so interesting. Um, I, I put her up there with, um, and you might not like this. Actually, hold on. Mark, can you look up what tunes were on that recording session for me? Um, I'm just curious what what songs were on that album. Mm-mm. But what were you saying? I'm sorry. Are we, are we good? We're still yeah. rolling? Yeah. yeah. The um, Amazing Grace. Yeah. Uh, Aretha Franklin, I put up there in, in, in some senses with the Bruce Springsteen's in the world, in my in my musical world of like people who have 
I should know more about and I listen to more, but I haven't. Mm. Um, there's a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs later in life that have now I've listened to and now I, you know, I get it. But the Aretha Franklin, it's funny you brought her up because with all that in the news and with the movie and everything else and her passing away, um, it just made me go, oh, wait, let me do a, like a deep dive on what she really was. And she wasn't... When I think of Aretha Franklin, I think of those diva specials when Mariah Carey's on her right and Celine Dion oh, yeah. and Celine Dion's on her left and they're singing, you know, whatever they're singing. My heart will go on. It's oh. like, you know... <laughs> That's the quote. That's the quote oh, from the podcast. That's it. Man, it's just like... That's what I thought of. It was just this very snapshotty Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. big lady singing a big song. When in reality, her struggle in her childhood and then her upbringing and then her... P- she was a childhood prodigy just on the piano, let alone the fact that she turned into the quintessential who you think of as like the female vocalist. I'm sorry, are you saying she's a prodigy at piano? She's a piano... Like she, Yeah, she's, she's... I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Like, I, and so then I started going on YouTube and just looking up Aretha Franklin singing, playing piano. Oh, like the, uh, the Carole King thing that she did? that to me was just like so much more impressive just because it was different. Mm-hmm. I've seen her stand there and sing and it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's superhuman. Yeah. You know? Like that this, voice... There's a lot of different vocalists. There's a lot of different type of female vocalists that I like in different, you know, there's the jazz people. There's the folky sort of almost cute. There's, um, you know, whatever. But she just had the voice. Like mm-hmm. if there's a the voice you think of as a female vocalist, singer, badass, it's, it's Rita Franklin, you know? And I don't think I ever appreciate it more than the past probably two, three years as I started listening to more and more different right. kinds of you, music. Right, you hear about her, her struggle, her health struggles, and then you just started listening to it more and more like, oh wow, she might yeah. go, and then she did, and then it was her music was everywhere. I remember 88.5 WXPN, which is Philly's local radio station. Shout out XPN, and shout out to the Free at Noon Cats, and shout out to World Cafe Live. Yeah. Um, they played Aretha Franklin all day. Yeah. It was amazing. I was driving around the city just listening to all these tunes I never even heard of. I was going to say, there's so much more there than you would ever... There's a huge catalog. Forget R-E-S-P-E-C-T. There's like this one song. I cannot remember the name of it, but I played on repeat for like an hour. Yeah. Um, It was amazing. Dude, Rock Steady. You know that tune? Rock Steady's on that? No, it's not on that. Oh. I'm saying saying that's like one of her best songs. No, it's a great song. Oh, my God. And that's what... Those are the kind of songs That might have been it. Here's the track listing for Amazing Grace. Is it all uh, gospel tunes? It's all gospel tunes. Uh, Mary, Don't You Weep, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, uh, Old Landmark, uh, Amazing Grace, of course, Precious Memories. I'm going to tag that. Amazing Grace is going to be in the, uh, yeah, the it's, Spotify. It's a killing album. I have it on vinyl, actually. It's a killing record, man. Mark's a part hipster. He has some vinyl. That's right. I, I have skinny jeans and vinyl. So I'm just kidding. I, I don't vinyl. hate on vinyl. I want to start a vinyl collection. So, You got a couple, John, right? Mm-hmm. You have a player? I have a record player. I'm, I need to get fixed. It's one of those things I've put off for like a couple months now. But It's okay. It's time. I love vinyls. I love records. I was just home over Thanksgiving, and my cousin Bridget has this vast, vast record collection. She had this uh, moody, uh, a couple of Moody Blues records mm. on vinyl that I almost stole. But I didn't. <laughs> uh, Hope you're uh, Was it your cousin you said? Yeah. Hope she doesn't listen to this. Mm-hmm. In other news... Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanson. Remember Hanson? Do I remember Hanson? Mbop. Mm-hmm. Bop, bop, bop. Great uh, song, by the way. I don't oh, care. Oh, phenomenal. They can, you know, they probably hate it by now. And, well, uh, they hate it, but they still play it live acoustic a lot. Right. They have a brewing company, too, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I've, it's called Mhops. 
Oh, come on. I swear to God. Swear to God. That's what it's called. Um, come on. But the reason why I bring them up. That's on the nose, man. It's- <laughs> That's crazy. It is on the nose. They don't hate that song. They know what they're doing. They're no, that some their business up, probably. Back up the Brinks truck and just unload. <laughs> just dump all the money, all the cash into our pocket. We're gonna open. Oh my god. Okay, so here's why I bring it up. Drunk forty-five-year-olds in the garage are having success in the craft beer world, and Hanson's gonna come in and be like, "Yo, mm hops," and now they're gonna take over. And, and if Hanson is listening, we're looking for some sponsors. Right. So. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not hating. This is me just like talking out loud. Or oh my god, it, it's just on the nose. We we love it. That's all we're saying. Mm hops. Okay. Where is this? <laughs> I don't remember where it is. Come on. I don't, I, well, Mark. Mark, hold on. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Our producer's in training. It's in, it's in right. Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're all in Tulsa, it's, Oklahoma. Yeah, it says based in uh, based in Tulsa. Yep. Oh. Founded by well, the three brothers of uh, Hanson. All right, new tour. All right, We're coming to Tulsa. Are they from Oklahoma? Is that the deal? I don't know. Can we? So here's oh, absolutely. Well, Hambone Relay. John the only thing ride. I come to Tulsa to play mm hops. Mm hops. If they got a stage, we're there. If anybody, right. if anybody can book that, it's Mark. Yeah, Mark. Mark is a great booker. Well, Mark um, will book the place across the street, and then we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just drink their beer. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Um, the reason why I bring up Hanson is because uh, they are collaborating. Not of hops? No, that's just a side note. Wow. Uh, this article here, Hanson still pinching themselves over Beach Boys collaboration. Oh come on! I don't know if you've heard it. This is like an old article, but I just wanted to bring it up because it's Christmas time. They got to do a track with Mike Love of the Beach Boys. And what's funny about it is they learned how to harmonize from the Beach Boys when they were kids. So they kind of came oh, full this circle. Is so this is like oh. this is actually from last year, but they're talking about revamping it. Um, you, I mean, I don't doubt that, man. You can hear that. And, it's, and this article says the Beach Boys were the first concert that they went to. And it, Dude, can you imagine that? It, you listen to Hanson sing and you almost don't think about the harmonies because it is so perfect. They're so just like singing the song together. And that's kind of what the Beach Boys are. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that Beach Boys record they put out? Not, not necessarily a record. They put out these tapes no. of like California Girls and stuff like that. Of just like them demos? Work, like them working through the song. It's like studio session tapes. It's awesome. It's on Spotify. And Mark, there's your other uh, homework. Uh, Dude, you got three things yeah. you're looking up now. It's on, Spot- um, it's on Spotify. It's literally California Girls for one. For for an example, is they're just in the studio going through the song and like and he's and they're just yelling at each other like oh stop and this and that and going through the harmonies and like fix really this and fix that and it was it's really cool. But it's enough of the song to if you're driving in your car, you can enjoy it and sing along. But every now and then they just stop and talk about stuff and then go back. It's cool. Oh, that makes so cool. Because then you could dissect. Called. Mark can look up what it's called, but I you don't You can dissect know. the tunes and like see how they did the harmonies. Oh my God, I'm going to do yeah, that later. It's pretty awesome. Because mind you, some of the, their songs are a little cheesy, but their arrangements are top notch. What's uh-huh. the cat's name that uh, or did all the arranging? Brian. Um, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Yeah. Oh my God, that dude's a genius. Um. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. Go check out that song. Yeah, it's really cool. So this uh, is weird. There are a ton of uh, live Beach Boy bootlegs on Spotify too. What's up really? with that? Yeah, like it's like it's like looking at the Grateful Dead page. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. It's okay. like yeah, the Beach Boys yeah. live in San Diego, '67. That's nice. amazing. All right, now into the next segment. It's called Whip It Out. Whip, Whip it out. That's right. right. So, no, well, this is what this uh, segment is. What we're going to do is John's going to get up his phone. 
He's going to go up to his Spotify, and he's going to tell us the last five things that he listened to. Wow. And we're going to talk about it real quick. I wasn't ready I'll tell that. you mine real quick, because I wrote them down, because I want to focus more on John. But my well, last five the things. The last five things I played? So how, yeah, yeah, how so, would I do that? So you go to your library, and you, it's usually right underneath that. It should say, like, you'll have a playlist. Oh, recently played. Yeah, so here, I'll tell you mine real quick, just so I get it out of the way. Um, I listened to the whole unplugged Eric Clapton album. Which me and oh, Mark man. Brown adore. Been a long time. One of the best records ever, man. It, I love it, that album. It is so good. Um, the Lake Street Dive album called Freak Yourself Out. It's an EP. It's five songs. It's brand new. They put it out as a um, a, uh, a record store, not record store day, um, a special last Friday when we're doing this podcast. And it's amazing. It's all songs they hadn't finished for their last record. And they just put it out as a little EP. It sounds awesome. Um uh, Mark, you'll enjoy yes. this. Amy Helm and the Wood Brothers. Dude, awesome. They collaborated on a Christmas song. Uh, it's a, the band's Christmas song, uh, Christmas Must Be Tonight. Oh, no way, dude. Yeah, dude. You got to check it out. It's really good. I love um, that song. You opened for Amy Helm. I did with uh, t- uh, the Nate Gross Band in uh, Hamilton, New York at Good Nature Brewing Company. That's amazing. She and you got great. to hang with her, yeah, too, Yeah, we right? got to hang with her. She was awesome. She was super, super humble, very nice. She came right out. She was talking to people. It was great. Cool. And the band, her band, sounded, they were killer. And then you have a student that's like the tour manager for the Wood Brothers, too, right? For a former student of mine when I lived in Lancaster, uh, Dan Ramirez, he's now the tour manager with the Wood Brothers. So you're totally connected to this student. You could oh, totally. say <laughs> that you're, you're in the totally. middle of all this. I mean, that was like 15 years ago. He probably doesn't even remember me. But. Um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this wasn't on my Spotify, but I thought I should talk about it because I loved it so much, and I didn't think I would. Ella May, who's an R&B artist. Dude, are you about to say the song I think you are? Boot Up. Oh, no, different one. And there's another song that's on the top 40. Um, that's the one I can't stop talk, uh, singing. Uh, what is Still? Trip. Trip, that's yeah. it. It's a, she's amazing. And she was on SNL. I'm so glad you, th- you think so, because, like, yeah, we'll go into that in a second. She was amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the band, apparently, um, a friend of mine knows the bass player. He's nuts. The drummer, I don't remember his name offhand. Um, you don't have to look that up, Mark. But if you get a minute, go to YouTube, check out her SNL performance. It is off the chain is the only way I can put it. It's amazing. Um, and then the last tune that I'm going to put up because they're about to go on tour with the Motet is Galactic. And I was listening to um, this, the tune Into the Deep featuring Macy Gray. Um, definitely check that out. That's one of their top tunes on Spotify. Go check that out. Or buy any of these records. The only reason I, I say Spotify is because that's where our list is going to be of all the tunes we mentioned in this podcast. Um, John, take it away. What's, mm-hmm. Whip it out. What are your top five, t- well not top five, the last five tunes that you listened to? This is so interesting. So I went to my recently played, it's a bunch of playlists, but uh, wow, this is going to be, it's going to be an interesting conversation here, buddy. Give me some eclectic mm-hmm. stuff. So the first song is, it's called New Birth in New England by Phosphorescent. Um, I had never heard this song, and I was driving, this was actually in the RV, um, and this song just came on as the sun came up over the mountains, of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Tennessee. We're just driving, and then this song came on, and it was this sort of happy uplifting sort of um a little bit synthesized like island music type steel drum beautiful song um and it's yes by phosphorescent 
and it's, and uh, the chorus is "Don't I Know You." That's what that's what I thought the song was called, and uh, it's an amazing song. Um, it's off the rec- off the album called "Say La Vie," which I listened to this song and thought everything was going to be happy, like island type music, mm-hmm. and then I went to the rest of the record and it was quite the contrary. It was dark, wasn't it? Quite the contrary. Oh. It was great. I, I don't know. I don't have much else to say about it because um, I didn't really do much much research on the. Uh, on the artist, um, but he has a very unassuming voice. Um, it's very relaxed. Um, the whole arc of the album is really interesting. Um, that's all I really say. Go listen to it because that 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 tune, "New Birth in New England," is the first tune on the record. And then okay, from that's the there, opener. Sort of, yeah. So that's that one. Okay. What else you got? Um. Let's see. <laughs> Give it to me. Whatever. It's funny. Very Merry Christmas, an album by David by Dave Barnes, actually. Who's um, Dave Barnes? Yeah. So my good friend Seth Aaron, who we both know, came over to my house, and I was like, oh, i got to learn all these Christmas songs, all these Christmas performances I'm doing. And he, he said, oh, dude, you ever hear Dave Barnes? And he has this record called Very Merry Christmas, and i got to tell you, it put me in the mood, I swear to God. I put up really? Christmas lights that day. I made some eggnog, you know what I'm saying? Is it a Christmas, like, like it, acoustic it, guy? Or it, like? It's, uh, it's kind of jazzy. Um, he does some covers, but he has a couple of originals on there. He's which, a Grammy-nominated songwriter from Nashville. There you go. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, right was, on. I, it, was just, See, it was just really This great. is why this podcast yeah. needs to be a thing, because I just learned at least four yeah. different new artists. You need new stuff when it comes to Christmas. If people say they hate Christmas music, it's like, no, you hate those tired, Mariah boring... Carey. Mariah Carey. Yes. Mm-hmm. All, all of that. Which, by the way, she's number 29 on the top 40 right now. Yeah, they just put that in. It got relisted. Oh. <laughs> it's a bl- I love you, Mariah, but come on. <laughs> um, number three, what do you got? Number three, I have, um, oh, <laughs> Michael Jackson, PYT. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Love that song. Oh, I love that song. That song never stops being amazing. Which album is that off of? Oh, to love you. It's not off the wall, is it? It's, what's that? It's got to be on. Um, what's the third of the uh, the um, the Quincy Jones records? It's off the third one, I thought. Right? Are you asking? Oh, oh, I'm PYT. Asking, yeah, PYT is off of um, Thriller. Off is thriller. it off Thriller? Yeah. Another reason Thriller is one of the quintessential albums of our time. By the way, check out the Quincy Jones documentary. Oh, on Netflix, it's done by his daughter. <laughs> yeah. Quincy Jones was hit, uh, Michael Jackson's producer for three records, I believe. Off the Wall, Thriller, and I'm blanking on the third one. When someone says it, I'm just going to slap myself. Um, it's, uh, it's awesome. And the Rashida Jones, who was one of the actresses on The Office, is uh, the director. It's Quincy, that's Quincy Jones' daughter. And she's very well-spoken. She's great. Um, what's number four? Uh, John Mayer, Born and Raised. Classic. Yeah. Um, it's funny because we were just talking about Mm-hmm. We hinted at jo- at John Mayer um, bonding over John Mayer. Yeah, uh, I love that record. I, I I love the Born and Raised record. It's one that isn't acclaimed, that isn't really well received by a lot of the community that I people I surround myself around. Continuum was obviously great. It's the record that won him his awards and everything else. But Born and Raised, I feel like that 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 record came out in like the late '60s, first half of the '70s. It, in my opinion, it would go down as like one of the better folk folk records ever written. Like it's just beautifully written. Oh, it's it's great. And it's beautifully it was, written. I mean, is that the record that he um he put out? Yeah. Before Paradise Valley. Yeah. Because that's the one he put out, and then he was about to tour, and then he got told about the vocal uh, problems again. Yeah, he wrote he wrote Born and Raised pretty much when he couldn't talk and stuff like that. So it just the, the lyrics are just beautiful. I mean, say what you will about John Mayer, whatever, but that record front to back. Is like a, a lot of what I want to do. Music. It's just like 
Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. And that's the one with um, uh, Crosby and mm-hmm. uh, Nash, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing background vocals. Yeah, pretty amazing. It's um, beautiful. Born and Raised is a great song. Um, Walt Grace's um, last submarine ride. Submarine yeah, that's ride. John Mayer, one of his favorite tunes he ever wrote. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's just so good. Anyway, we don't think we'll off on it. What are we? Number four? Is that four? That was four. Okay, what's five? What do you got? Um, was he? Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, Doctor Dog. These days. Um, so is that their tune or is that a cover? That's that's their tune. It has one of the, actually one of my favorite lines in any song. What's that? Um, Casey will hate me if I get this wrong. Um, oh, I hate when people say those were the days. So what are these days? Oh. I love that. It's like everything I, I talk about all the time. It's like people go, oh, well, that's when things were good. They were the golden the golden years, and that was this, and that was back then. And don't you remember the good times? Yeah, you're not present. You get that a lot when you go back to hometowns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, remember mm-hmm. high school? Remember all that? It's like, no, man. Like, I'm, I'm more like, remember last night? You know, yeah. like that was awesome, and all my friends were around, and we had a, the best time. And I'm, I'm having the time of my life now. It's like, I do hate when people say those were the days. It's cool to remember, but like I like celebrating the now. And that I've never heard anybody just like sing it that simply before. I'm gonna check that one out. Yeah. I don't know that one very. It's well. called These Days. It's a very, very fun, very. It's an awesome groove. Yeah, I hate when people say those were the days. Um, so what are these days? You know what I mean? Right so what's now? Does today matter at all? If all you talk about is yeah, those days. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Third grade band. Philly band. All right, this next segment is called the Top 40. I personally, um, I don't like too many of the tunes in the mm-hmm. Top 40 just by, by personal yeah. taste, but this segment I talk mm-hmm. with uh, our guests, whoever it is today. It's John Gilbride, and we Hi. talk about... What is your favorite tune in the top 40 right now? It, top 40, first of all, gets this weird, I don't want to say stigma, but it gets this weird, uh, people get this impression of like, oh, top 40, and so you love it. It's top 40, you go to clubs, it's top 40. But me as a musician, it always has this negative connotation of like, mm-hmm. oh, top 40. Like, I don't want to play that crap. But it's the top 40. It's the top, well, well, yeah, well, built top 40 in the U.S. Whatever it is, it's the top downloaded, top listened to songs in the world, right. essentially. It's like it, it, somebody's doing something right. And a lot of it can make you sick if it's not what you like. Or if it's overdone, like right? Hello by Adele when it was like, right, but there's some, right, and there's something about artists who kind of acknowledge that too. So one of the one of the songs in Top Forty that I still like has been on there forever. Girls like you by Maroon Five, mm-hmm. right? Um, Maroon Five has long been one of these bands. Similar anymore. Imagine Dragons. I compare them to a little bit because they're kind of going this way. Early on, they were this sort of acoustic, cool, oh, new, that. different songs about Jane, Sunday morning, all this stuff. But they've since evolved into one of the best hit-making pop bands out there, mm-hmm. and they're just doing it right. And Adam Levine acknowledges that. He goes, I don't call myself an artist. I'm making fun pop songs with my friends. It's like, that's what it is. Like, that's what it is. They're, they're, they're great hooks. They're fun. You can dance to them. There's personality to them. And girls like you, I mean, I'm not going to sing it because it's copywritten and all that stuff, but like, man, that hook hits, and it's like, yep, that's going to live there for a while. Mine, my favorite is... Um, uh, it's it's uh, not cheesy, but it's from the movie uh, A Star Is Born, the new one with Bradley Stubborn. Cooper. Stubborn. No, Shallow. Oh, sh- that's what I meant. It was not- it begins with an S. <laughs> I knew it started with an S, though. <laughs> Shallow. To quote, really to quote Dumb and Dumber. I knew it started. Simmons, Salmon, Swanson. And, um, what's the- don't sing it. Uh, <laughs> um, 
And what's the uh, the other one that's good? It's not in the top 40, but there's another song on there that's really great. Disclaimer, um, I haven't seen the movie and I'm sad about it. Oh, it is so good. I know. Oh my God, dude. So I, I cried. I, Me and my girlfriend cried. I've stayed away from the record uh, uh, because of that. See the because of the soundtrack, yeah. Okay. All right, John. Oh, is that my the, favorite? Oh, sorry. The, Perfect, yeah. That was it. That's good. Good, good. Go um, for it. <laughs> we're going to do the lightning round. Ooh. So I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to answer as as fast as you can. Oh, this is without, fun. Without, without thinking about it. You got to <laughs> knock it out. I'll okay. Just peek on the microphone. Um, there are seven of these. You ready? Um, as ready as I'm ever going to be. First album you ever owned. Oh, my God. For um, Beatles, white album. Uh, first show you ever saw. Um, John Mayer, Temple University. Full band? Full band. Guess who opened for them? Maroon 5. Crazy. What? All right, continuing. Uh, favorite wow. song to play? Favorite song to play? Um, I, um, uh, it could be your own of, cover. Of, of oh. Monsters and Men, Little Talks. That's a good one. Yeah. We play that one a lot. Uh, yeah, least yeah. favorite song to play? Uh, the easy answer is, uh, is, is Wagon Wheel. Um, <laughs> the other answer is anything Bruce Springsteen, just because it gets thrown at me so much, and I try my darndest. I well, you're try, right next to Jersey. I, I tried to play Rosalita a couple nights ago, and I didn't realize how many words were shoved into a seven-minute song. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! That's the song that made me want to play music. Oh, Rosalita. I mean, it's a. Gr- I listened to it for the first time intimately with headphones, and I was like, "Man, that is a great rock song right there." That's like so quintessential good. classic rock, and it's incredible. Um, if you don't know who Bruce Springsteen is, go look him up. Mark, you make sure you, make you, sure you bookmark. <laughs> Mark, can you look at Bruce Springsteen yeah, for a minute? Also known as the boss or I'm boss. Checking it or, out. Um, I don't know, okay, uh, next one is guilty pleasure artist or album. Guilty pleasure. Oh, guilty pleasure artist or album. Mm-hmm. Um, oh that you're my. embarrassed to admit. Oh, I'm not embarrassed to admit, but um, let's see. But um, maybe people might think it's a guilty pleasure. Um, God, I love me some Christina Aguilera. I gotta tell you. Do you, you. really like uh, stripped? God, yeah, she's unbelievable. She's such she's such an amazing singer. I, I find myself like, uh, oh Eminem, love Eminem. I don't know if that's a- not guilty pleasure, but like stuff you wouldn't expect from me. I love Eminem. Um, okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know why I'm so bad at this. Um, it's okay. It's off the cuff. That's why. Uh, oh. I grew up loving opera, and I love I, I love like you all that. Did really, dude? That's what like got me into like singing. I swear to God, my mom had me these like. Are we talking little, like? Um, I'm talking like three tenors type <laughs> opera, like on cassette, dude. Like on cassette in my car, I loved it. I, I loved it. I'd be like at camp when I was a kid, like singing on picnic tables and singing in the shower, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine it. And uh, <laughs> it just got me. It just made me. Yeah, yeah. It just got me. It just got me to singing a little bit. It's um. Oh damn! I'm gonna forget the name of the song. Save it for the opera podcast. Yeah, the opera podcast. Favorite album of all time. Oh come on, man. Um, I could tell you. I mean, it's really easy to 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 go Beatles because I I just. I worship them so much, and Sgt. Pepper's means so much to me. There's not enough time to dive into that. I can tell you one that I, I always say, it is a Wilco album, and it's Sky Blue Sky, only because it's not an album that Wilco fans think about as much. It's kind of the record that made them sound like a different band than they ever were. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like that California Stars type Wilco. It's a little more... Um, it came out one summer when I, before I went to college, and it came out the same summer as, I think... Uh, Icky Thump by the White Stripes and like uh, Modest Mouse uh, we were dead before the ship even sank and that really formed a lot of 
new, popular, different music at the time of my life. It kind of changed the way I, I listen to music. So that's yeah, a good one. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, least well-known artist that people should know about. Mm. Oh man, I can't say Rob Tate, right? Um, no, he's a douche. Yeah, he's a douche. Um, least well-known artist. Someone you know, someone you know is not doesn't have a lot of traction right now that people should know about. I'll tell you what, man. I uh, I'd be I'd be pretty remiss if I didn't just mention people from the trip, just because it's been a long time. Here, here's the problem: being a musician, you don't get to go out and see enough. Mm-hmm. You just don't. You, you're able to like, oh, I can go listen to this video online or this right. or that, but you just don't get to go. Because we work every Friday and Saturday usually as musicians. I, I, I don't see nearly enough. Um, oh no, let me, go, let me go this way. There, there's somebody I heard at a house show one time. Josh Miller is somebody. Oh, who, Joshua Chase Miller? Yeah, he's, he, he's someone that I've listened to intimately uh, in an acoustic environment who does some beautiful things with the loop station and does some beautiful harmonies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's working on a record. Yeah, man. Um, the Rachel Andys of the world, uh, the Pete Hills of the world, like all these people. I've just never, it's been a long time since I've been in a room with somebody and I go, wow, it just, people who say there's not good music out there either are just saying that because they're bitter about the music that is mm-hmm. out there or they just haven't looked. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's totally there. And that's the reason I start, wanted to start this podcast is because yeah. even through this conversation, we probably mentioned 50 or some artists that yeah. people could check out. There's tons of good music. If you, I dare you to oh, say. Oh, Sophie. Sophie Korn. Oh. I love her, dude. I, I love her. She does a great job. She played my release show. Um, she did such a great, great job. She writes amazing songs. She's got a new, um, a new song out right now. Um, permission, I believe it's called. Okay. Um, you can fact check me, but that that just came out and that's getting some traction. She's, Only I could tell Mark what to look up. I think it's called Permission. Yeah, she has. I know. I'm her, still trying to find Springsteen. Yeah, she's fantastic. Guys, so Sophie's another one. I, I can't just name one. Sorry. No, it's okay. We're, we're lucky to have a lot of friends. Um, your favorite artist that you listen to right now? I uh, I, I still that just, you are listening to right now. Excuse me. I still just um, really appreciate the head and the heart. Um, you have heard me say this, but I've never really talked about it. Um, the Head and the Heart simplified things for me when I heard them. I was like, it's the most, some of the most beautiful songwriting out there right now. It's um, Their first album is so stripped down. I feel like there's just three musicians around one microphone in the studio just making this beautiful, this, this beautiful sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love them. Um, they have three they rec- are amazing. They have three records out, you know, um, and the latest one is a little more, a little more rock, a little more like kind of uh, Tom Petty classic rock type feel, and more produced than the other ones. But it's it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I've definitely they're in my heavy, heavy rotation. Now, you mentioned uh, Lake Street Dive. I've always loved the Black Keys. Yeah. All right, and finally, when's the next show you got? When's the next show? Um, I'm playing um, with my full band on December fourteenth with um, one of my favorite Philadelphia bands, another one you should keep your eye on, called, their name is Stella Ruse. And their lead they singer was on a, the, uh, the... Their lead singer, yeah, his name is Brendan Johnson. He's fantastic, got to know him really well over the past uh, year. Um, he, he, it's, it's his band, Stella Ruse. They've been around for a little while. They're a jam and folk band. Uh, they're fantastic, have great songs. They're doing a December residency, um, and I'm playing the 14th um, at Bourbon and Branch. That's right. I think doors open it. Seven, so we're going to collaborate and hang out and, and jam. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
Who else is on that bill? It's you and Stella and and, and newly Pete Hill. Pete Hill just and, that's right. He just joined the bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's amazing. Where can people find you? Where, they, where can they find me? Online. I'm um, depending on when this goes up. JohnGillBride.com will be live in the next week, which yeah, is, dude, which is exciting. Um, so go to that, and if it says page not found, just be patient. Uh, other than that, <laughs> go every um, day. You can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash/music. No, no. Facebook.com slash John Gilbride now. I Can you change it? I changed it. Yeah. I thought you only could change it one time on Facebook. I did, they... and it's now just John Gilbride. Okay. So I have a personal page, but then there's my music page. You'll know the difference when you see it. And then There's a lot of naked photos in the other. Yeah. There is. There are. And on uh, Instagram, I'm at John Gilbride Music. Yeah. Do you do Twitter? I, I have a Twitter. If you want to laugh really hard, it's basically everything post my music career. I was much more outspoken politically. If you want to listen to me rant about gun control and stuff like that, by all means, check my Twitter out. Other than that, no. And now I'm probably going to take it down. Because <laughs> people are going to go look at it. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you for being the premier uh, co-host of Dude, Check This Out. I love this, and I love you. And I love you, man. Go Rob Tate. Go Hambone Relay. Peace out. Love y'all. Thank you so much for listening to Dude, Check This Out. Once again, if you want to learn more about Hambone Relay, please go to our website, hambonerelay.com, or go to iTunes to check out our records, or Spotify, which is where these playlists will be located for these episodes. And don't listen to the haters, man. There's plenty of good music out there. You just have to keep looking. See y'all later.